Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're back in the huddle here. Raider Nation Radio 920. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson. Raiders HQ is what I like to call it. Tamon Cotton's making things go back in the studios, and we definitely appreciate that. And first hour went by fast and furious, so we're going to kick off hour number two. Starting things off, talking with SB Nation's Bill Williamson. He's been covering the NFL for a very, very long time. And, Bill, we definitely appreciate your time this uh, this afternoon. And uh, before we get into any Raider talk, I, I did want to ask you just your thoughts on what the NFL rolled out today. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, he had it first, talking about uh, the rules and, and regulations for COVID-19. If you have a breakout on your team and a uh, game could be forfeited, and uh, there's not really a whole lot of wiggle room. What, what were your thoughts when you saw that roll out like that? Well, thanks for having me, Q. Appreciate it. Um, I think my biggest thought is that the reaction of some players, not a lot, but there was, there was certainly some strong uh, reactions from some players, including the Raiders, uh, Jalen Richard. And, and, you know, it's, it, it, from the tone of it, it seems like some of these guys are feeling like they're being, you know, almost forced into something they were told they weren't being forced into. And, I, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of um, – personal feelings uh, on this both sides and it's going to be really interesting and it's and what's going to be interesting we're going to kind of the guys who don't get vaccinated we're all going to it's publicly known like a lot of people have said well i'm not going to say what i'm going to do because it's personal choice and they're right um but we're going to know because they're going to stick out like a sore thumb you know and it's going to be really interesting the nfl's like okay you don't have to get vaccinated but to do this job Right. It's going to be a big pain in the butt if you're not vaccinated. Right, and, and one of my biggest things, Bill, has been that you know I don't understand why players and any organization would want to have to go through the protocols that they had last year. I would think that they would like it to be a little bit looser, but it seems like you know some just don't want to do it at all. Yeah, and again, that's just that's just people and you know the world. You know, right. it's everybody has their own opinion, and I'm not. And I'm not going to get into that because I'm not, you know, I made my choice and I'm very happy with it. And guess what? If I was a player, I'd be able to do everything I wanted to do. (laughs) Right. That's what that was my choice. Exactly, and that's exactly what I say at the same time, Bill. I tell, hey, you guys, anyone can do anything they want to do, but for some folks that have a certain job to do, uh, it makes a lot more sense to go ahead and get vaccinated, and, and that's why I did the same thing. So you're right. I, I wouldn't have any kind of uh, restrictions either. Uh, it would be a lot looser for me this year as well. Now, now, Bill, I did want to ask you about the defense. I've been kind of concentrating on that throughout the course of the offseason. Uh, a lot of times people talk about Derek Carr, and I feel like that's low-hanging fruit, but uh, I, I just I really want to focus in on what Gus Bradley, his job is going to be now that he's in there. And there's a lot of talent, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the ball. But they just got to be able to play fast. So how do you think that Gus Bradley goes into this year with what he has on defense and gets them to be more comfortable and just being able to fly around and play? Well, before I get into that question, I just want to give my condolences to Greg Knapp's yeah. family, longtime Raider coach, you know, two-state Raider coach, longtime NFL coach. This would have been his 25th year. It's just a tragedy. He's a mm-hmm. good guy. So... RIP coach. Um, and to yep. answer your question, very you know, tough, tough question to answer because, I mean, 
he's got this is yeah you talk about Derek Carr it's not about Derek Carr it's about the defense and it has to get better and you know there's three big um, additions you know Yannick and and mm-hmm. Morg and, and and Gus Bradley and I think they all are going to can play a big role in getting this thing um, just I mean just get average right just just compete just don't blow games right. <laughs> you know. That's what I think it has to get to Gus Bradley. I mean, I don't want to sound negative here, but um, I don't know if he's a miracle worker. Right. You know, I, I don't know if he is a guy who is an elite defensive coordinator. He's good. But is he going to go to the Hall of Fame? I don't know. And that's no knock on him. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I don't know if he's a miracle worker. Um, there's, people were very excited about Paul Gunther when he got hired. And they were very excited about Ken, Ken Norton Jr. And they were very excited about Dennis Allen when he became the coach of the defensive line. Didn't work out. It's got to work out. And you know they got some better players. I think they really have to stay healthy. Uh, if they can, if that uh, defensive tackle rotation can work, I think that will go a long way. Um, you know, obviously the young secondary. Some of those guys have to get it together. But you know what? It can work. I mean, these pieces can work. It just has to, you know, and it has right. to do it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it really does. And you mentioned the defensive line, of course, bringing in Unique and Gakwe. Uh, you already have Max Crosby. The, those those edges you feel pretty good about. Cleve Furl, you know he does some really good things for the defensive line. But I'm, I'm, that's my concern is, is the defensive tackle. Who is the one who's going to step up? Is it going to be Solomon Thomas? Is it going to be Darius Phylon? Is it going to be, you know, Quentin Jefferson? They, they did go out and they invested a lot of one-year contracts on guys that aren't old guys. So they're young dudes with something to prove. But, I mean, if you had to just kind of put your money on, on, on a guy that you feel like is going to really, you know, step up in that, in, in that defensive tackle role, who, who, would you, who are you focusing in on? Well, you know, I, I think the best guy is probably Jonathan Hankins. I think he's an underrated guy. He is. And, he, you know, he's an incumbent. Um, you know, is he sexy? You know, do you know him a lot? No, but that's okay. Um, you know, I, I think Clinton Jefferson is a guy who is a – he could, if, if he got a good thing going, I think he can, he can help. He's a depth guy, but he can play every game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some, in some critical situations. I, I think he could be a, a hard hat type guy. We'll see with Thomas, you know. I mean, we'll see. Um, Bylon is a guy who had a lot of juice. When, yeah. when, you know, he he was kind of sought after in free agency in 2018, and he had some issues uh, after signing with uh, the Cardinals from being with the Chargers and, and Gus Bradley. He hasn't played in three years, so, you know, who knows what to expect. But he was a quality football player, so interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in seeing what they do. That defensive line, you know, you know, it goes hand in hand. The secondary makes the defensive line better. The defensive line makes the secondary better. Whatever order you want to put in it in, that's that's just kind of what it is. And uh, Jonathan Abram, from all expectations, he's going to be able to come up from that, you know, that deep safety spot and really play in the box, play a little closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, maybe showing off his skills a little bit better, where he can, you know, be more physical. Uh, how much do you think that that will help Jonathan Abram really kind of break out in year three? I mean, he's another guy. I mean, he was a disappointment last year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he had terrible angles, um, and he he had terrible on-field discipline. You know, it drives you nuts watching him make some of these decisions that he would make. Um, so, yeah, is that stuff coachable? It should be, right? Um, right? So, yeah, I mean, he certainly has talent. I mean, he flies around, and, and 
you know, he is, you know, I said Jonathan Hankins isn't a sexy player. Well, Jonathan Abrams is because mm-hmm. he flies around and you notice him all the time. But sometimes you notice him for his flaws. So if they can get him fixed, and, and I think that's the right term, fixed, um, yeah, he could be a decent player, but this is a huge year for him. Yeah, it is. You know, they're going to have to make an option decision on him in a year. Right, right. He's in year three of a of a four year deal with, like you said, the fifth year option, and uh, that that's. I mean, right now you got three guys that you have to make a fifth year option decision on. You got Cleve Furl, you got Jonathan Abram, and you got Josh Jacobson. Right now, I don't think I would be breaking any news, but I, I feel like right now you know that you're picking up the fifth year option on Josh Jacobs. You may have questions about the other two. I think that's very fair. Yeah, and and Josh Jacobs could be interesting if he. You know, if if he gets hurt this year, because then you go, uh oh, it's just you know, is this a shorter term running back? But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's a guy that you are going to want to lock up. I think he's a franchise guy. The other two, they're going to have to have big uh, year threes, no doubt about it. Talking right now with Bill Williamson from SB Nation. You can find Bill on Twitter at B Williamson NFL. Been covering the NFL and the Raiders for a very long time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, uh, you know, sticking with the defense, going back to the defense, actually, uh, Trayvon Merrick, he's a guy that we mentioned a couple times, rookie out of TCU. I believe he could be. I don't. I don't want to put too much expectations on him, but I feel like he could be the Earl Thomas of this defense. You know, he could be Greg Greg Na- or Greg Greg Knapp. Greg, uh, uh, man, jeez, uh, I forgot his his name now. <laughs> I forgot the coordinator's name. I started thinking about Greg Knapp. Uh, man, Gus Bradley. Bradley. Excuse me, jeez, Gus Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator. He could be his. Uh, you know, his his version of Earl Earl Thomas in this defense, uh, just with his his ball hawking and skills. He he has playmaking ability, and like I said, he can go uh, sideline to sideline. How quickly do you think he could pick up this defense? I think fast, and I think he, yeah, I think he needs to, and I think he will, and that, you know, ball. All reports is that he's a bright guy, and I, I don't think that'll be an issue. I hate putting huge expectations on right. these guys, though, because especially after what we've seen in recent years from mm-hmm. some of them, you know, I mean, you know, just two years ago, Abram was the 27th pick, and it was like, oh, hey, he can be the guy. And now we're in year three, and they're going to pick up his option. So let's, right. you know, let's see. I, I just hate putting expectations. Everybody just thinks the next guy is going to be the guy. Right, and right. You know, and I just, you know, we'll see. I think he can be. I think he, I, I loved the pick. I thought that pick would really save their draft. And I, I don't think I'm being too dramatic by saying that. I mean, you know, they're sitting there and they had to be just sweating bullets when you see, you know, the kid from um, Oregon go to, was it Holland go to yeah, Miami at 36? And then, yep. and then Richie Grant, who is kind of their, you know, their safety valve at 48. Go at forty! Holy crap! They don't get Morig, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who's their starter. If they don't get him, right? Right. So those are the three guys. So to get up there and make that trade, they just had to do it. So yeah, I'm expecting him to be a, a real impact player. But again, expectations in reality, you have to see them meet. He's got a lot riding on his shoulders because there's a lot of people talking about him. I know I've been talking about him quite a bit, hyping him up, and so uh, he, he's he's got a lot, like you said, expectations. Man, they're they are sky high. And and Bill, I mentioned that you've been covering the Raiders for a very long time. Coach Tom Flores, he's going to be going into the Hall of Fame. It's something that's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it for a while, and finally it's here. Him and Charles Woodson, and then Wayne Mabry as well. The Violator, as a super fan, yeah. is going into the Hall. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on just Coach Flores getting into the Hall? 
Oh, you know, it's it's a, it's a great thing. I mean, I'm old enough to remember him, Coach, and just a classy guy, and I always enjoy talking to him uh, now. You know, I mean, last week he told me that his presenter into the hall is going to be Carol Davis, you know, Al's right. widow, of course, and Mark's mother. I think that's fantastic. I think that just embodies uh, what the Raiders are and embodies what Tom Flores is. He's just, you know, he's keeping it in the family, and... Um, yeah, it's going to be a special time. And, you know, a lot of people, Ken Saber should have been alive when he went in, right? Right. At 83 years old, Tom Flores deserves this. So it's a big moment. It really is, you know, and obviously Cliff Branch has not made it in yet, and he's no longer right. with us. He passed away. Matter of fact, he passed away on Hall of Fame weekend, uh, you know, a couple a couple years ago, and that's unfortunate. Uh, what's it going to take? What do you think Bill's going to take to get Cliff in? Just time, you know. I think, I think, you know, when Drew Pearson went in, and and again, you never want to say this guy doesn't belong. You know, he does. He just, you know, other people do as well. But you know, Cliff Branch's um, stats stack up very favorably with um, with Drew Pearson and Lynn Swan, who's been in for a long time, and Bob Hayes. Yeah. The thing is, it's like. It's the Hall of Fame, and it's got to be small, right? Right. The, and the, you only have, like, seven normal year. I know last year, you know, the 2020 class, which is going to be inducted on the, the Saturday, the 7th, there's like, 20 because it's 100 a year, and they wanted to make up for some wrongs. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, this, it's going to happen. It, I don't think it's anything personal. It's just it, it just sucks for some guys. And, you know, Jim Plunkett's right there as well. I think when, when you know, when – when Branch gets in, then, you, you know, the next huge push is for um, Plunkett. I think Plunkett is the only, well, other than Eli Manning, who just retired, he's the only retired quarterback who has two Super Bowl wins who's not in. Wow. And nice a lot of people nugget. think Eli is a slam dunk, right? So right. if that's the case. Yeah, Eli's going to get in on, I mean, he'll get in, off, obviously, his accolades, but, uh, you know, he's he's always – now, well, especially now, he's going to be doing the Monday Night Football, the the extra broadcast, you know, the other broadcast. He's going to be really kind of uh, in, in the limelight, and, and basically, so you can't forget about him. You know, he's gonna right. he's gonna make sure that he's out there uh, in front right. of everybody. How about Charles Woodson, first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't think anyone was shocked by that, but uh, just think about his career that he had with the Silver and Black. He left it to Green Bay, but then returned. Uh, just what 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 do you think about when you think back at, at Charles Woodson's career? I'm just. Just excellence and class and uh, dominance and, and first ballot. You know, I mean, there was no uh, there was no drama there. Um, you know, I, he was great to talk to. One of my favorite things covering the NFL over the years is getting to know guys who become Hall of Famers because they're they're usually the best guys. Not all of them. I, I you know we can hang up and I can tell you a few that aren't great <laughs> guys, but most of them are. And and they're just like classy and smart and just like superior human beings, you know. Right. And he's right up there. And uh, yeah, just I, th- I think he's a, a tremendous guy. And yeah, again, having him and Peyton Manning going together is really cool because you know they came in together, they played each other so much. And you know, Raider fans don't want to hear this, but Charles Woodson is interesting because he he's a legend in two different cities, and there's mm-hmm. not that many people that are that, right. you know. Maybe Mike Haynes and a few other. I mean, maybe Peyton because he won the Super Bowl in Denver. Uh, um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, there's two fan bases that are going absolutely nuts that night, and that's pretty unique. It really is, and it's funny. And I always call Twitter a cesspool because you can get on that thing, and it could go, it can go south really, really quickly. But uh, I've, I see a lot of arguing and, and fighting on which was the better Charles Woodson, you know, the the Raider version or the Green Bay version, where obviously he won a Super Bowl ring, he was Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he he did some great things in Green Bay. Really, in my opinion, matured and even made his his game even a little bit better. Um, I, I don't I don't worry about which was the better Woodson. I just think that the whole body, his whole career was just awesome yeah it doesn't matter he had 18 years i mean you know 11 years of the raiders his, and he was good his last three years when he came back mm-hmm. i mean i was covering those teams and he was good he, it wasn't just uh, you know uh, a ceremonial thing he was their best player a lot of the times and um yeah and he almost you know i talked to him the day before the hall of fame and he almost signed with denver in 2013 huh. you know denver basically didn't give him much of an offer, and then the Raiders came in. Um, but, yeah, this guy almost ended his career with the Broncos. The National Weather Service in Las Vegas. Yesterday, I'm, I wasn't able to be there. I was in Texas at the time, but man, I was uh, I was fired up, and I kept refreshing Twitter. Like, is there any news? Is there any news? Is there any news? Right. You know, just right. all fired up and excited. It was great to see C. Wood return to the silver and black. Bill, great stuff, man. I definitely appreciate you. What you got coming out on SB Nation that uh, Raider fans should be on the lookout for? Oh man, we just go every day, man. We, you know, we got a good staff there, and uh, yeah, we just we just come out every day. So. You know, refresh, refresh. (laughs) We've got you going every day. Absolutely. That's what we'll do. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, my man. Enjoy the week. And training camp gets started next week, so I I know we'll be talking soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There he goes. Bill Williamson, SB Nation on Twitter, at NFL. Been covering the NFL and the Raiders for a very, very long time. And uh, you heard him mention uh, rest in peace to Greg Knapp and Man, all of a sudden when he said rest in peace to Greg Knapp, I don't know why, but that I couldn't get his 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 name out of my mind. And uh, I've been seeing all this on Twitter, all these different teams, you know, uh, sending their prayers and thoughts out to Greg Knapp. I mean, he touched a lot of people's lives, so maybe that's that's why I couldn't get him out of my mind. I just completely went blank just looking at uh, all these different tweets that are that are rolling in about about Greg and all the time he spent in the league and all the different folks that uh, from different organizations, from the Falcons to the Raiders to you know the Jets, obviously, just multiple teams, just giving their uh, their prayers out to the family of Greg Knapp. But that's great stuff right there from Bill Williamson. So we definitely appreciate that. Four eighteen is the time. We are live right now at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson. Uh, coming up at four thirty, we'll be talking to former Raider and current color commentator for the Raider broadcast uh, alongside of uh, Brent Musburger. We're going to have our guy Lincoln Kennedy. Very excited to talk to him. As I talked a lot of defense right there with Bill, I'll definitely concentrate on the offensive line and how this offensive line comes together and how difficult it is. That'll be one of my first questions. How difficult is it with the current CBA for offensive linemen to even be able to practice and, and be on point with their practice instead of just going to a spot and just assuming that there would be someone there to block because the CBA is set up where it's a lot more difficult than it used to be. It's something that me and Lincoln have talked about before, but uh, I definitely want to kind of start things off asking about that just to just to let it be known how difficult it is for the offensive line to do what they got to do. Uh, we're here again at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson. The time is 419. This is In the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Small businesses and put, you know, some support behind small businesses so they can have a, a, a good effect not only for jobs in the community but a positive outlook for the community as well. Yeah, it was it was really cool event, and I was glad that I was able just to be a fly on the wall and just kind of observe and see all those different small business owners there, and of course you addressing the you know the the, the crowd and, and addressing everybody, and I thought that that was that was really cool. And you know, Mark Bedane was there at that time too, and uh, he was yeah. the president of the Raiders at that point. He is not the president of the Raiders now. He resigns uh, earlier this week. What were your thoughts when you heard that? A little surprised, but but you know, I understood once I had a chance to hear about his reasoning. Um, you know, look, Mark was there with the Raiders when I came to 96. He was there five years before I got there. So he was involved with the Raiders organization for 30 years. He worked his way up. It's true. It's a true rags of riches story. He worked his way up through the organization to where he was. And, you know, he did a lot of great things for the Raiders. I mean, it's part of the reason why the Raiders are in Vegas. Right. It should be celebrated. But at the same point, when you think about it, that level of involvement, you know, most people like work in career for 20 years and then they retire though he probably had a lifetime commitment for the Raiders, it was time that he wanted to give back to his kids and his family. And I respect that. I mean, you can only do so much. He, he left the Raiders in a great place. Um, you know, he found that you know, the, the Legion Stadium is beautiful. Um, the facility, as you mentioned, you're working out of is, is gorgeous as well. So, you know, he's done a lot for the Raiders. He deserved, if anyone deserved to, to be able to, you know, chart off in the sunset, it would be Mark Redain and what he did for the Raiders. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle, Raider Nation Radio 920. As he mentioned, his show, him and Vinny Bonsignor hold this down. But <laughs> it's kind of cool, right? You're, you're a guest on your own show. <laughs> yeah, how about that? How about that? Yeah. That, that works out that way sometime. And Lincoln, uh, train, training camp's right around the corner. You know, the players report on the 27th. Uh, when you were a player and you were about to report for training camp, you knew it's in a matter of days you had to show up at the facility what, what was the mindset? What went through your mind as you were starting to kind of get your mind right and prepare for the upcoming training camp? No, there's really no way that you can truly prepare for it. It's just one of those necessary evils you got to go through, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, but, but times have really changed. You know, it, football has become a 24-7 year-round game. So a lot of these guys are training year-round around the facility. And just, you know, being able to, I guess, if they're going over to the end to stay or whatever, or however Gruden is going to run it, it, it's really, it's really not the way, the same way it used to be. But it was one of those things where you, you know, you knew it was coming. You had to do it. You were just trying to figure out how much you're going to play in the preseason, and you know, you got to get your body and your mind right to start it because it's, it's, it's coming. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you were obviously on that offensive line, and I feel like that that's one of those units of the team where it absolutely has to be a unit. You can have a good DB, you can have a really good safety, you can have a really good linebacker who could be an individual, but the offensive line, for that to work, it's got to be one solid unit. So how much are you going to be paying attention when training camp opens just to see how, in particular, the right, the right side of that offensive line goes from the center to, to the right tackle, how, how much they're able to gel? Well, it's, it's the entire offensive line. It's, you know, Cable has done a great job, especially dealing with the injuries that he had last year, of being able to tool and piece the offensive line together to where they, they were productive. But now it's time to take that next step. So, you know, you've you got a running back like Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. You've got a quarterback. You've got all the pieces that you need to make things happen to be able to score points. 
But you and I both know you go nowhere without the engine up front. You go nowhere without the offensive line. So I'm going to be focused on that entire offensive line, how much work they're able to get, how much playing time they're able to get together. I've been thoroughly impressed with the development of Colton Miller. You know Richie Incognito provides you know, a lot of attitude, but so does Denzel Good. So it's going to be how all these pieces come together and how they all fit in and how much they can get, uh, you know, get that running game established early in offense because that really opens up Gruden's offense to full. You know, and you've been very vocal about first-round draft pick Alex Leatherwood, how he was a guy that the Raiders have been eyeing for quite a while. Uh, he's a guy that Tom Cable is so excited to coach up. Uh, just what, what does Alex Leatherwood, in your opinion, bring to the table that, that got the Raiders so excited before they drafted him? First and foremost, he's a day one starter. You know, a lot of times when you draft a guy, and especially an offensive line, you'll sit there and say, well, he needs time to develop. You'll try to protect him. But he's a day one starter. He's coming off of Alabama. He's, you know, Outland Award, Outland Trophy winner, um, you know, All-American, you know, national champion, all that stuff. He's coming into the Raiders organization, and he's a starting right tackle. So that's first and foremost. And the thing that really, you know, really that I enjoy watching, and I told him about it when I had a chance to talk to him, is uh, the fact that, I like to, I can honestly see that he enjoys beating people up. And that's what offensive linemen do. We don't care about anything. We just want to beat people up. He takes pride in, in trying to road grade and, and beat people up. And I think that's a great attitude to have on this offensive line. And, um, and I, I can't wait to see it. What are your thoughts on second-year guard John Simpson? They drafted him out of Clemson just a year ago in the fourth round. He's a guy that I think is going to compete for that right guard position, but I think Denzel Good's going to end up getting it. But what, how do you think he's developing so far? He's got to come along. He's, you know, last year when he was put in there, he had trouble you know, against bull rushes and he had trouble in space. He's got to develop more. And sometimes the only way that you can do that here is you've got to get out there and play. But at the same point, you can't take – you can't take for granted that you can't get your quarterback killed. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's a fine line of how you do it. But he's got to develop a little bit more before he's ready. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle, Raider Nation Radio 920. And I wanted to ask you about Coach Tom Flores, a guy that you know very well, near and dear to your heart, obviously worked alongside of him for a very long time. He's going into the, the Hall of Fame this year. It's been a long time coming. But how excited and pumped up are you to see Coach get that gold jacket? Finally. I mean, finally. It well-deserved. I mean, there are a lot of guys that throughout the regular organization in history that I think deserve to be in Canton, but this is long overdue. And, and I'm glad that he, you know, Coach is able to do why he's still here because sometimes we, we oversight and don't you know, pay attention to those who really were critical and paving the way that the, this uh, NFL works today. But Coach Flores is pivotal and, and a vital part of it, it's history. So I think it's long overdue. I'm so happy for Coach. You know, I talked to Marcus Allen earlier this week and then Van McElroy as well, and, and two things that they, they pointed out, or one thing they both pointed out, was that Coach Flores is just calm, cool, and collective. They never saw him sweat, and so the team didn't see him sweat. Is, is that the kind of feeling that you got while you were working alongside of him as well? Well, without a doubt. I mean, his, his knowledge and the history through the NFL, seeing it all, being a part of it all, is, is you know, you, you, you can't write that even in the Encyclopedia of Britannica. I mean, it's crazy. But it, when you're around such greatness and you have a chance to pick its brain, it wears off on you. And so it, it, really, it really has helped me develop into the type of broadcaster I am today by being around Coach and just listening to his insight and, and watching him break things down and understand his perspective as well. And then Charles Woodson, he's a first ballot guy. I think there was no brainer about that. And then Wayne Mabry, the violator, every Raider Nation member knows him very, very well. Uh, what, are, what, what is your thoughts when you, you know those two guys are going to be in the hall as well? 
you know, just a lot like Coach, well-deserved. I think, you know, the fact that the Hall of Fame is giving some look to the fans and those longtime fans uh, is very important. Look, I've always often said that there are tons of fan bases around the NFL that might talk about our, the Raider Nation behind our back, but they all want to be like us. And there's only one nation. So you've got people who have tried to copy and emulate, but it is what it is. And so uh, the violator is one of the best. I know Wayne personally is a great guy, great family man, and I'm, I'm glad to see him going in. And, of course, it, it's without words, see what you, you know what see what means to the organization. Um, I had the chance of playing with him in his early years before he left to Green Bay, and I kind of refer to it the way that most people think about, you know, LeBron James when he went to Miami. Seawood went, went away Green Bay, and to me, he matured. He, become, mm-hmm. he became a better person as well as a better player. And what he brought back to Oakland was well needed when he came back to Oakland. He provided leadership. He provided support. And even when the, the city and the team was in somewhat of a chaos and turmoil going through the transition of moving to Las Vegas, you know, Charles Woodson brought a, a bigger to that defensive secondary where most, a lot of people, including me, learned to respect him even more because he was truly a, change, a game changer. Absolutely. This is great stuff right now with Lincoln Kennedy here in the huddle, Raider Nation Radio 920. And before I let you go, are you, uh, are you ready? Is Lincoln Kennedy, uh, have you been, uh, you know, got your mind right and, and prepared for training camp in this upcoming season as well? I don't need to prepare for anything other than call it what I say. Yeah, I <laughs> you, know, you know, whatever they put out there, whatever we get a chance to see, you know, the, the big thing for this team coming up, obviously, and, and, you know, we'll break it down further as we get closer, is what does Gus Bradley bring to the defense? Mm-hmm. Um, can the front four generate pressure? Um, the linebackers in the secondary, how do they blend in? Where do you, where do you find a place for John Abram? You know, things like that. That's on the offense, I think, is going to be fine. It's the defense that's got to get some stops. So, you know, I don't know what we're going to see during preseason. I don't know how much the starters are going to play. This is a very young team. And dealing with the COVID rules, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it because last year, you know, you know Q, they couldn't practice together. Right. We didn't have access to them. You know what I'm saying? So that – that left a lot to be desired with a very young team. So there's got to be a lot of changes. It's going to be interesting to see how Gruden and his crew, coaches crew, uh, sort of manage that and develop that because, you know, they've got a good coaching staff and there's ability, there's places where you can develop. But I'm one of those guys that say the only way that you can get better playing football is to play football. Not, you can't do it on the Zoom. You can't right. do it in each one in the individual room. So, you know, you got to play football and that's the only way it's going to happen to me. Absolutely. And you mentioned Jonathan Abram and, and, you know, where is he going to play? And it's been reported that he's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage, more in the box. Um, this is a huge year for him, Lincoln. This is year three going into a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. What do you need to see from Jonathan Abram this year? A level of professionalism that keeps him available in the field. I don't want to ever take away from his tenacity and his vigor and his desire to make the big hit. But if you make the big hit and it takes you out for a game or two, you do me no good. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. 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 Ability. So when you so when you're you see exactly. So his availability to the team is absolutely key. He is the vocal leader. The Raiders knew what they got when they what they were getting when they drafted him. Now they've got to find a place for him. So I don't ever want to take away from his tenacity or his overall game. But I need him to be available. I need him to be out there. So he's got to find a way to understand his body and know what he can do and what he can't do and what he might have to limit himself for. And, but he has to be available. It's absolutely essential that he stays on the field.
That's a great. That's a great way to describe it right there. Great mic drop moment. Uh, I like that. I like that. that's a perfect description of what he needs to do in year three. That's Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, matter of fact, this is his show in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. I'm just filling in right now. Raider Nation Radio 920. Job, <laughs> hey, thank thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to you being back in this seat and doing what I'm doing right now. Yes, you got it right. I'll see you guys soon, man. Take it easy. All right, thanks so much. There he goes, Lincoln Kennedy, a great offensive lineman for the Raiders. He also does the the color commentary alongside Brent Musburger on the broadcast for the Raiders. Does a really really good job of that, and uh, I enjoy talking to Lincoln all the time. And it's funny, I'm I'm filling in for for him and Vinny at the same time, so I got him as a guest on his own show. I, figure that one out, huh? That's a good hustle right there, Demond. You didn't know I could pull that off, huh? I mean, you, really, you got you got it there, man. Like, <laughs> You know, but Lincoln, like one of these days, when he get back in the studio, when I see him face to face, I'm gonna hold his feet to the fire. Fire about why I haven't been invited to the restaurant yet. Well, I mean, well, I know t- why I haven't. You know, he invited me for the Super Bowl and I didn't show. But you know, I didn't know if it was. Well, that's one- on you. Hold know, on, like- man. Hold on. <laughs> Nice humble brag. He invited me for the Super Bowl and I didn't show up. I mean, you can't not show up. But I didn't know if it was like you turned down this invitation, you never get invited again type deal. I mean, you're not supposed to turn down an invite anyway. <laughs> and it was one of those like, yeah, well, I'll be there. Can't wait. Didn't oh, show. you told you you even hyped you gassed him up too. Oh, Demond, you don't gas up Lincoln Kennedy. I mean, you just don't. That doesn't make any sense. What's one of your homeboys' names that you grew up with? <laughs> Rudy. Okay. First one on the top of my head. You gas up Rudy, dude. You gas up Rudy. You know, like, hey, man, uh, let's go out tonight. Okay, call me. That's You're, you're not really going to, you know, I mean, I have a homeboy back in Texas, a really good dude named John. Matter of fact, he's going to be out here next week. John Smith, and that's really his name, John Smith. He, he always t- told me, I'd be like, hey, man, I'm over here. And he'd say, all right, I'm going to try to make it. Whenever he said, I'm going to try to make it, that means he's not showing up. You don't gas somebody up that you don't gas up Lincoln Kennedy. You got to do you just got to do that to, you know, just an average cat. You know, what's funny. I brought up Rudy because I always I try to go to Austin like every year because that's where he lives at. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to come out. For, I'm going to come out to Austin for my birthday. And he was like, yeah, man, let me know what, what dates I'll take off work. And I was like, yeah, I'll let you know. Guess what? I ain't go to Austin for my birthday. Of course you didn't. That's that's a, that's a perfect. <laughs> but see, that's a good one. That's a good. That's that's you. You gassed him. That's good. You can't. You can't, man. You, and then you and then you're going to ask the question. <laughs> why haven't I been invited back? Because you didn't show up the first time. That's no. like me. That's like me, uh, you know, them asking me at the radio station, hey, Q, can you fill in for, uh, you know, Pritch and Clay and, and then double down and, and fill in for Vinny? What if I didn't show up? Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. No problem. And then I don't show up or I don't show up on time. There's a problem. Well, you know, that's work. This is me just coming to eat a little food. Hey, man, it all ties together. It's all in the relationship building work world. Hey, look, I'll tell you this, Damon. You stick with me, dude. I'm going to have you all right. I'm going to have you right. You know, I'm 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 gonna teach you the way. You stick with me. I'm a I'm gonna learn you. Uh, that's gonna be a, a a saying that you're gonna get tired of hearing. I'm gonna learn you, but that's what I'm exactly what I'm gonna do. I'll I'm gonna learn you the way. In no time. Now, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. I promise. I got you. 4:45 is the time. Many thanks to Lincoln Kennedy for joining us there in the huddle on his own show just to talk about the offensive line, talk about training camp, talk about John Abram. I thought what he said about Abram was spot on. Thought that was great. It's a great mic drop moment right there. We'll come back here live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson. We'll come back and wrap up the show. This is In the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. A little bit later on this evening at All-American Park in Las Vegas, Darren Waller will host about 100 kids. Leave grades 3 through 8. Going to be out there and I really like what the Raiders are doing in the community. I know I've I've said that multiple times, but I really do appreciate what I've seen from a distance and now up close and personal now that I'm here. But there's been multiple players, multiple events that have gone on in the community. Just kind of embraces everything that's going on here. Las Vegas, this big community has has embraced the Raiders and, and obviously helped them and played a major role in them being able to relocate to to Las Vegas and put that bright, shiny stadium up, Allegiant Stadium that I drive by every single day on the way to my mom's house. Yeah, my mom's house. 44-year-old man still living with his mom. <laughs> that's something to be proud of, huh? Something I never thought I would say, but, yep, that's how it goes. I'll find a place to live at some point. I know the wife is out riding around right now trying to look for a place. Careful. She may get a little angry out there. She's a Texas girl. She's not used to driving on the West Coast. So it's a little different. It's a little different than, you know, the nice, calm, relaxed, chill kind of mode that she may be used to in Texas. But we're looking. We're on the hunt. We're looking for our place. And so tonight uh be excited to check out Darren Waller's camp and just to see, you know, how he's operating it. I know Josh Jacobs had a camp over the weekend. Of course, the charity softball game is going on on Saturday. Excited about that as well. Got a couple minutes left in today's show here in the huddle. Raider Nation Radio 920. Want to quickly go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 and talk to Gangster Raider. What's on your mind, my man? What's happening, Q? Um, Chilling. Clay and Pritch from Hip Hop Thursday, supposedly, and they play Trey songs, Ladies in the Drinks, <laughs> and that's supposed to be hip hop. So I'm like, I tried to call in and tell them, like, y'all was on cue here for playing Def Leppard, but that's not hip-hop. If y'all want to play some hip-hop, play the Loonies. I'm a Raider. You know what I'm saying? From the Bay to L.A. to Las Vegas. That's real hip-hop. And anyway, what I want to talk about is my stadium tour. Only thing, only only my only little complaint about the stadium tour is there was two different pictures of Elvis Presley in the stadium. You know what I'm saying? Which I feel is overkill. Elvis didn't really have nothing to do with the Raiders. But Tupac Shakur needs to have a picture up in there mm-hmm. because Tupac is from Oakland. He's a Raider fan, and he supposedly got killed in Vegas. That's the connection right there. Tupac Shakur needs to be in one of those Paytons up in the League Stadium instead of two Paytons of Elvis Presley because, to me, Tupac is the black Elvis because, you know, remember there was questions of whether Elvis was dead or yeah, not, yeah. Elvis lives or whatever, yeah. where Tupac lives, you know what I mean? And he right. got a Vegas connection. So get Tupac up in there, too. And I'm sure DeMond's um, mom will come um co-sign on it with me also. And also what I want to talk about with the team is in the first two games, I think our secondary and our linebacker core could sneak up and surprise a lot of people because we play Baltimore, opened up against Baltimore, and then we play Pittsburgh. Both of those quarterbacks are suspect. If we can get hands on at least two or three interceptions in the first two games, I think our defense – our secondary and our linebacker core could sneak up on a lot of people and surprise people and affect our season overall. What y'all there think about that? Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate the call, my man. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let. Maybe I'll on my way out of here. Maybe uh, I'll run by John Gruden again and be like, "Hey, man, 
I need to see Pac on the wall. Put Pac on the wall. Tupac. Shout out to Tupac, man. That was my guy. That hurt my feelings when uh, I got that news of him passing away. That really did hurt my feelings. Pac was the dude. As far as the secondary goes, uh, it, I mean, that's what it is. You know, Gangster Raider, you're, you're definitely onto something. If you start the season off early and you get your hands on the ball and you create a turnover, you always notice throughout the course of seasons, turnovers come in bunches. It's just all of a sudden you get one, it turns into two, two turns into four. I mean, it just it happens like that. They always come in bunches. You'll notice it. I think sacks and, and, and turnovers, they always come in bunches. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get a bunch, but I'm saying you'll get two or three, and then you'll get two or three. It's just something about it. You know, even going back to who? Eric Harris. What did he get? Two or three all of a sudden? And, or um, who, was, uh, who else from the Cowboys? I forgot his name now. Uh, but he was the guy that nobody – oh, Jeff Heath. Sorry. Jeff Heath. He, he picked off a couple, and it's just, it's just habit for me. All of a sudden, you get your hand on the ball, and it, it, one it's like a snowball effect. One creates another one. So, uh, yeah, if they can get their hands on, on a couple early in the season, that would be great because I think that will just kind of give them a little bit of momentum as far as training themselves to get that ball out, something that, that you heard Gus Bradley say. He said, hey, we got to play fast, physical, and ball out, meaning get the ball out, get it back to our offense. Something John Gruden's mentioned before as well. And, yeah, don't let Clay and Pritch get on me about Def Leppard if they're playing Trey songs. That's R&B. That's not hip-hop. That's going to do it for me from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson. Many thanks to the Raiders for hosting me and letting me be here today, this afternoon, for the last couple hours. Appreciate all the feedback. Appreciate Lincoln Kennedy, Brian Salmon, and Bill Williamson all joining me on the show today. Be back in studio tomorrow. Make sure you wake up with Pritch and Clay. JT's at noon, and then I'll close things out 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Good night.